Have you ever had a double or a lookalike? In the era of social media, having someone that looks like you could just be a fun coincidence. But Laura would have us believe otherwise. In the mythology of these twin strangers, tragedy could befall you if someone sees your double. Worse yet, seeing your own would mark your certain impending death. While the threat of being replaced by such an entity appears to be nothing more than a movie trope, should we all still fear the horrible possibilities of doppelgangers? Welcome to 13 Degrees of Screams, where we watch and dissect your favorite spooky movies. I'm your host, Alex. And Stephanie. And this is a mostly horror podcast. Each season, we'll rank 13 movies on a scariness scale from, you guessed it, 1 to 13. We will uncover the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies, and tell you just how authentic they are. This week, we get dizzy and vertigo. Stephanie. Yes. Vertigo. Never seen it. Never seen it. How about you? No. Which is crazy, you know, having gone to school for film. Well, let me rephrase that. I've seen clips of Vertigo. Oh, okay. Especially with some of the effects that were used mm-hmm. in some of the scenes throughout. I know a lot about Vertigo. I just never actually watched it from A to Z. Okay. Uh, which, again, I went to school for film. <laughs> <laughs> so having not seen Vertigo, oops. It happens. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It was all right. It got infinitely more interesting halfway through. Mm -hmm. The first half was like, okay. Yeah, it was pretty self-explanatory. And I kept on forgetting, too, after a while, that it was all just dribbling down to the fact that he was afraid of heights. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, we go through all this crazy shenanigans of him following this woman and falling in love with her. And then he goes up some stairs and he's like, whoa. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) That would be me, though. I'd be like, oh, my God. I get on the third rung of a, no, even the second rung of a ladder, and I'm sweating. Really? Yeah. Are you afraid of heights? Not really. Like, I don't want to fall, honestly, but, and I am clumsy. I could. (laughs) I don't know what you really think of, too, when you look up, well, when you look down at something from very far up. Do you just. Are you just afraid of falling? Oh, me? Is that it? Oh, yeah, I get Well, I get So a lot of people say it's not a fear of heights per se. It's a fear of falling. I just get incredibly, like, nervous and my heart starts racing and I start sweating profusely. Hmm. Which is weird because I'm, like, fine on roller coasters and stuff. And, again, I think it goes back to, like, I feel secure in my seat. I think they're kind of right. It's not a fear of heights per se because, like, I've been on, like, Millennium Force and Top Little Dragster and love it. Yeah. But, like, I start climbing a ladder, forget it. <laughs> The one place I worked, uh, it was like that media company, and we did weddings. And this one time, they had me go on this like twenty foot ladder and hang chandeliers. Oh! And I had to go like above the top of the thing, and I had to hold the chandelier in one arm and tie it up with the other Mm-mm. while being at the top of this twenty foot ladder. No. And I almost told them, I, like, I can't do that. <laughs> and then it was funny because some of the people who were also working on the wedding, like other caterers and stuff, were like looking at me, like, "Is he okay?" <laughs> like, no, I'm not okay. It was terrifying. Yeah, no, I would, I would probably be like, it's different, like just like going up to like the top of a building or something and looking down, but actually yeah, having to do work that. or mm-hmm. whatever or doing something that doesn't require you just concentrating on standing and being there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm okay in a building. I think if I'm like close to the window and all I see is down, I get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Like just. 
inside. But yeah, it, literally by the time I get to the third rung of the ladder, I start panicking. Ooh. Yeah. I'll blame you. That's creepy. Not fun. Not um, fun. But yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I liked it. I think I, I was way more invested at the end of it than right. it was at the beginning, especially the midway point when we talk about the plot. Yeah. You, you know what it is, what happens, and you're like, what? <laughs> what did I just see? <laughs> yeah, yeah it gets um, real crazy, like, two-thirds of the way through, and then you're, like, doing this third act, and you're like, okay. This is, like, a whole different movie almost. Yeah, yeah. It completely shifts gear a little bit. Kind of. We had this on the five scale. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, it's not really creepy. Like, you could just, like, sit down and watch it with your fam, and it would be fine. It's yeah. just a... It's more like weird scenario to happen. Like, yeah, and like the first half more mystery. Mm-hmm. Kind of find out what actually happened, and then the end is just like bizarre and just unsettling. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, not scary, but yeah, it's not, not right. <laughs> it's not like Dead Ringers creepy. It's just kind of like a mystery, and I mean, Dead Ringers wasn't like creepy, creepy, just also out there and weird, mm-hmm. but in a different way to this. Yeah, they both have. That element of a a man <laughs> or a character <laughs> kind of unraveling. Yeah, yeah, I could and see that. obsession. Right, really ties those two movies together. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, it's just another story of someone losing it a little bit. <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> Don't yeah. Are you ready to hear about the movie background? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> So Vertigo is a 1958 American psychological thriller film directed and produced by the one and only Alfred Hitchcock. The story was based on a 1954 novel. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. It's in French, but it translates to From Among the Dead by a French person. Again, I don't even know. Um, Boileau, Narcisse. D'entre les morts. Les morts. I don't know if I'm butchering this or not, but and Boile Narci Narci Jack. I don't know if it's Jack though. It's like yeah. N A R C E J A C. Yeah, maybe Jacques. Jacques. I Jacques. I don't. I know nothing about <laughs> French, but there's. Okay, the, I know very little. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> the screenplay was written by Alec Koppel and Samuel A. Taylor. The film stars James Stewart as former police detective John Scotty Ferguson, who was retired because an incident in the line of duty has caused him to develop acrophobia, an extreme fear of heights and vertigo, a false sense of rotational movement. Scotty is hired by an acquaintance, Gavin Elster, a private investigator, to follow Gavin's wife, Madeline, who is behaving strangely. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. What's going on with Madeline? Yeah. What's up with her? <laughs> <laughs> it is the first film to use the dolly zoom, an in-camera effect that distorts perspective to create disorientation to convey Scotty's acrophobia. As a result of its use in the film, the effect is often referred as to the vertigo effect. So, yeah, that vertigo effect when he, like, looks down. Mm-hmm. I actually know how to do that. At least my version I learned, it's either when you, like, zoom in with a camera, like, you could zoom in and pull out, or pull in with a camera and zoom out, and it creates a weird, like, distortion. Distortion, yeah. Yeah, because of the focal length, it kind of, like, stretches it mm-hmm. without actually, like, moving, even though the camera It makes is, it look right? real severe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Remember in Poltergeist, 
With the hallway? Yes. Same yeah. same technique to do that. Oh, okay. It's called the vertigo effect. Interesting. Yes. So, Vertigo originally received mixed reviews, actually, in 1958, but since its release, it has been considered Hitchcock's magnum opus and one of the greatest films of all time. In 1989, it was one of the first 25 films selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. The film appears repeatedly in polls of the best films by the American Film Institute, including a 2007 ranking as the ninth greatest American movie ever. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a pretty important It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Attracting significant scholarly attention, it replaced Citizen Kane as the greatest film ever made in the Sight and Sound Greatest Films of All Time 2012 poll. It came in second in 2022. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 93% based on 87 reviews, with an average rating of 8.9 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, an unpredictable, scary thriller that doubles as a mournful meditation of love, loss, and human comfort. As of January 2021, Vertigo is one of only eight films with a 100% score on Metacritic. Uh, Two other Hitchcock films, Notorious and Rear Window, are also on that list. Rear Window is really good. It's, oh, really? Do you know Disturbia mm. with uh, Shia LaBeouf? Yes. That is a remake of Rear Window. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that's all I pulled. There is so much information on this movie and like meanings and interpretations and so much stuff that you could look into this film. It is insane, but this covers <laughs> the basics. For and now this, this is the oldest one. Last time we recorded a bunch of them, it was... Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And now this one's the oldest yeah. one because it took place in the 50s. In the 50s. Mm-hmm. Before my parents were even born. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Uh, what was this, 1958? Mm-hmm. My parents were kicking. <laughs> were they? Yeah. My dad had two years still. Oh, uh, okay. My mom My mom was just like one, but yeah, they were, they were here. Wow. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Are you ready to dive into the plot? I am. <laughs> After a rooftop chase in which a fellow policeman falls to his death, San Francisco detective John Scotty Ferguson retires out of fear of heights and vertigo. Midge, his ex-fiance, says that another severe emotional shock may be the only cure. Can I ask you, too, by the way, unrelated completely, honestly, Okay. (laughs) but is Scotty a nickname for John? I don't know why they keep referring to him as Scotty. I don't know. I feel, I don't know, honestly. It's like one of those situations... Like people at work, well, they'll go by one name, but they have a completely different name. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a middle name that we're not aware of or what. Like, I don't know. He goes by John, Scotty. They even talk about like, are you John, Jack, or Scotty? Like, (laughs) like what? (laughs) I I have no idea. That's actually a good question. (laughs) I didn't even realize his first name was John, really. Yeah. Just like Scotty. That's, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I also didn't realize Mitch was his ex-fiance. I yeah. thought she just liked him. <laughs> uh, yeah. And her character's so, like, not important. Yeah. Like, she's like there. the scenes with her, at, like, I feel like they're trying to get at something, but I it kind of falls on deaf ears, honestly. Like, they never address anything. Yeah, it kind of just fizzles out. Like, it doesn't come full circle, I feel. Yeah. Like, you see her... You know, here and there, beginning, middle, but towards the end, she's like, where did she go? Yeah. And they have, like, this kind of, like, 
flirtatious, friendly relationship when obviously they're ex-fiancés, but still, like, that's what I assume going in. And then it seemed like she cares for him, and then he's getting segued by this whole situation mystery he's in. And mm-hmm. then doesn't have feelings at all for her. Yeah, she's like, damn. Yeah. Damn. So, before we get to all that, <laughs> Gavin Elster, an acquaintance from college, asked Scotty to follow his wife, Madeline, claiming that she has been behaving strangely. Scotty follows Madeline to the Mission San Francisco Diocese and the Grave of Carlotto Veldez and to the Legion of Honor Art Museum where she gazes at the portrait of Carlotta. So this Carlotta person lived and died 1831 to 1857, by the way. And a local historian that Midge puts him in contact with explains that Carlotta Valdez committed suicide. She had been the mistress of a wealthy married man and bore his child. The otherwise childless man kept the child and cast Carlotta aside. Carlotta, who Gavin fears is possessing Madeline, is Madeline's great-grandmother, although Madeline has no knowledge of this and does not remember the place she visited. Scotty rescues her when she leaps into the bay at Fort Point. She's just like, bye. Just bye. Yeah. He, <laughs> and I mean, at first I was like, okay, so this lady just fall, like going around shopping, doing some errands and like going to see a museum. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. Like, it's your husband little... shouldn't be that concerned. Yeah. She's kind of just vibing. Yeah. Living she, her best life. Doing what she likes. And, and then, then that happens. Yeah. Then maybe... she goes to the bay and jumps in. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she was just going for a little swim. Mm-hmm. She just, you know, it's nice and warm out, it looks like. and Yeah, and can we talk about this scene, too? Like, because it tries to skip past this, but uh, let's acknowledge, too, that he takes her home, undresses her, puts her in his bed, and then hangs up the clothes to dry, which, I mean, that that's nice, but also, like, you got your friend's wife naked in your bed? Yeah, but nothing, like, it wasn't sexual in no, any way. No, it's still, it's it, like an invasion she... of... Well, here's the thing. She was wearing a robe, so I'm sure. No, she woke up in the bed naked. Did she? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Just kidding. He gave her the robe to put on when she came oh. out. Oh. I could have sworn she woke up. No, because I saw her back when she sat up in the bed. Oh, she was naked? She was naked because she okay. was drying her clothes in the kitchen. Oh, then literally disregard everything I was just <laughs> I just thought it was like a little too personal like yeah or like call her husband let her husband do that like, yeah um your wife is like almost dead she's <laughs> kind of like almost drowned can you come get her or take her to the hospital if oh yeah no, think of a concern they'll undress her there it's not weird there like, yeah yeah okay no <laughs> strange I man didn't. puts you in his bed in his apartment he's like you know i saved you yeah because i was thinking because she obviously hadn't gotten like woken up since yeah so he would have had to take her clothes off I guess, but still, like, no, you know, there's I, other I, people that could have done this. No, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. I was thinking she had changed herself, but no. that doesn't make sense. No, no. The next day, Madeline stops to deliver a letter of gratitude to Scotty, and they spend the day together. They travel to Moore Woods in Cypress Point on 17-mile drive, where they embrace. No. Yes. Don't do it. The most coyest of of necking and and, and necking. <laughs> necking. They're courting. Yeah. A married woman. Mm-hmm. Been, I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop where the husband would call and be like, hey, I know you're following my wife, but I never said to kiss my wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, but nothing comes of it. So the next day, Madeline recounts a nightmare. Like, she visits him at his apartment, so she had the nightmare again. And Scotty identifies its setting as Mission San Juan Bautista, the childhood home of Carlotta, 
He drives her there, and they express their love for each other. Madeline suddenly runs into the church and up the bell tower. Like, she runs like she's, like, all of a sudden, like, as if she's a video game, like, at, like, a standstill. And then the person playing just remembers, like, oh, I got to do stuff. And, like, she just, like, runs away. <laughs> she's like the Flash. She's, like, one second just talking to him. She's like, you know, I got to go. And she's booking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, girl, where are you doing? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So she winds up this bell tower. Scotty, halted by his fear of heights, sees Madeline plunge to her death because, like, she runs all the way up the stairs and just, like, falls out the window. Like, immediately. Yeah. Like, you don't see her getting to the top and jumping, but yeah. it had to have been immediate. But you do see her body fall through the window. Yeah. And I will say that was one of the scenes I've seen before that genuinely is kind of freaky to see the body yeah. falling. And you see it, too, in the very beginning scene, too, like, right before he retires because he was in pursuit of a criminal with another officer or a detective or something. The officer helps him, tries to help him get on top of the roof because he loses his balance and he's, like, hanging there mm-hmm. and topples over him and falls. And you kind of see him fall to the ground. And yeah. it's also upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I think stuff like that, when it's kind of, like, at a distance— Mm-hmm. makes it freakier for me for some reason like things kind of out of frame yeah and it just it just happens like it, there's no like fanfare she just jumps off right like that kind of stuff freaks me out i know like this was like last season when we talked about one missed call like when the things were far away yeah made it creepy but then as soon as it was they tried to do a close-up yeah, yeah it wasn't the same it makes it just It just happened, and that makes it, like, unsettling to me. Right. Right. An inquest declares her death to be a suicide. They do, like, a whole, like, investigation on this man, and they're like, he could have helped her. I mean, he did save her the one time, but, like, the second time, like, why weren't you inspired to go save her again? Um, Because I wasn't at the top of a bell tower. Right. Different And, I mean, he did try to get up there. Like, he was just like, wow, it's high. Yeah. (laughs) After a while. (laughs) He looks down, and that's when you see the shot, and you're just like, "Uh -uh." Mm uh-uh. Gavin does not fault Scotty, though, so that's uh, Madeline's husband. But Scotty becomes clinically depressed and is sent to a sanatorium, almost catatonic. And this is where Mitch kind of visits him. And she's, like, trying to comfort him, telling them that they can play, like, Mozart and stuff to help him feel better. And she tells the doctor that Mozart's not going to help him. He was obsessed and in love with this woman that died. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, then, then there's not a chance that he will, like, recover completely. And then what? that's just, like, the end of Midge. Midge just walks out. Yeah, that's that. the last time you hear. <laughs> there's also, like, a little scene in between, too, where Midge paints a portrait of herself as Carlotta. And I thought yeah. that was really odd. Yeah, that like, was I, weird. Like he thought that would be something he'd like. I don't know. And he was pissed. He was. He's like, that's not funny. Yeah, and I was very confused. I was like, uh, you're kind of right. That's weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it makes it seem like Midge is kind of like obsessed with him a little bit. But then you know, after this whole sanatorium thing, she's just like, all right, bye, boy. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was like a red herring. Like you were supposed to think that she was had a weird obsession with him. When you find out, it ends up being. He who has the obsession. Yeah. Not with Midge, obviously, but right. with with her. And this is also kind of like the end of the husband, too. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. that's okay. I mean, no it big was, deal. wasn't your fault. 
And then meanwhile, Scotty's like, oh my God. Right. What is happening? <laughs> right. Yeah, he's like, no big deal. I'm probably just going to leave the country, you know? Yeah. Settle our affairs. The, okay. I don't blame you. Goodbye. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Thanks. I, feel like, I guess. Yeah. None of this is the right reaction yeah. to any of this. Following his release, and I don't know why he gets released, he frequents the places Madeline visited, often imagining that he sees her. One day he notices a woman on the street who, although superficially very different, reminds him of Madeline. She identifies herself as Judy Barton from Selena, Kansas. It's weird. I would have not, I don't think I would have recognized her. Yeah, Pector is. I mean, it's the same woman, but. It is. Just the hair change. Mm hmm. And like the different clothes. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I would. No. And he, like, knows immediately. Like, this is, like, close enough. Like He smells her. He's like, (laughs) Like, she has a similar face a little bit, but not, like, like, he must have been really paying attention. Yeah. It's just crazy to me because that's the same actress. And, like, she just looks so different. Because Madeline had, like, almost platinum blonde hair, kind of. And the way she wore it was a little different. And then Judy just has, like, brown hair. But And it's different, too. Like, she wears it down, like, curled down. Mm -hmm. And Madeline wore it, it like, really up and, like, in these, like, spirals in the back. Mm -hmm. And even Madeline personally was, like, a lot more softer than this Judy. And Judy's like, why are you here? Like, why are you coming to this hotel? Like, you don't live here. Right. And a flashback reveals that Judy was the person Scotty knew as Madeline Elster. She was impersonating Gavin's wife in an elaborate murder scheme. Gavin took advantage of Scotty's fear of heights to substitute his wife's freshly killed body in the apparent suicide jump. Judy considers confessing to Scotty, but continues the charade because she loves him. Uh, This is where it's weird. Like, this is such an elaborate scheme. Yeah. For what? Do they just need, like, a witness to make it seem like it wasn't, like, a murder? Like, because Scotty saw this happen, like, it's an alibi almost? I guess. Like, to see her run in, I guess. But... You know what I'm saying? Like, why... But there's tons of people there when her body hit the ground. Or, well, hit the roof or whatever she fell on. Like, a nun and a priest started climbing a ladder to go and check on her after yeah but i don't know if they necessarily knew who that was or saw yeah because so so now that scotty got to know madeline and saw her her quote unquote she can attest and he could be like plus she said that weird thing like if i die now like go on loving me or something like that she said something along that line right before she ran into the church and just yeeted herself like, he just put a lot of faith in the fact that he wouldn't have climbed that tower. Because what if he did? Right. Like, what if he got over he his He would have caught them, yeah. Like, oops. Yeah, so. You. <laughs> it's it's a really weird scene, too. Like, it happens so quickly that, like, I told Alex in between recordings, like, I felt dumb watching it because I didn't realize that the, that the real wife was there and that's who he threw. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, I don't know what he, I assumed, like, a doll or something. But but then I guess everybody else would have had to be in on it, too. Right. But right. I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> it was just a mannequin and everyone's like, wow, she has, like, no blood. How weird. They just <laughs> bury a mannequin. <laughs> Maybe. But, like, you, you see Madeline run up there and he's struggling with the wife and just pushes her out the window. And then he just like takes Madeline and goes out a back way down the back down the bell tower yeah. while everyone's on the roof worrying about yeah. actual Madeline. <laughs> right. And you don't really know the reason why Judy agreed to this. Yeah. Right. They don't money, really money, I guess. Yeah. I'm assuming you also don't know why he's wanting to kill his wife. Right. Like, what'd she do? Yeah. I don't know. 
Oh, wait. No, he wanted. Yeah, no, we do know because she was the one with the money, I think. Right? She was. Yeah. So he wanted her money. He was controlling her accounts, I guess. That's what he said, or like at least keeping it for her. Yeah. Hmm. But in any case, freaking Judy, though, mm. it was her. I wonder if at any point he really talked to the real Madeline. Probably not. I don't think so. It was all her the whole time. Yeah, because at one point, Judy says it was really um, simple because his wife was often in the country. Mm. So, like, she was probably only, like, in the premises when when she died. Yeah. I wonder (laughs) – I have so many, like, thoughts because I wonder, like, how Gavin – convinced his wife to climb the actual tower in the first place was he just like well hey, it's freshly go. killed body so I, I like i know he snapped her neck before she fell that's what he, judy said but i don't know if that meant like he carried her up there right that's what i'm or, saying or or he know. did take her up there and then snapped her neck but yeah maybe so that would, that would, it, it would take a while to carry a body yeah dead weight mm-hmm. he would didn't need help so yeah. i wonder if they were just like visiting and he's like let's go to this building Oh, look how beautiful. Yeah. Any case, I just have so many thoughts about yeah. that. But <laughs> uh, don't worry, everyone. It gets weird. <laughs> it gets, yeah, this is where it gets a little crazy. Mm-hmm. They begin seeing each other, but Scotty remains obsessed with Madeline. Mm. And it's weird. Like, he's, like, trying to get her, like, the exact same suit dress that Madeline wore when she fell. Mm-hmm. And, like, down to the exact detail. Like, he needs to find the exact type of dress it was. So he just takes her to a store and describes this dress to the salespeople and, until they find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judy's, like, not about this. But yeah. he's getting, like, mad at her. Like, right. you're going to do this. He's like, no, you'll do it for me. And, like, like what is Judy's stake in this? Like, like, I know she loves him because she's really... Madeline, quote unquote. Well, we don't really even know her real name. Maybe her real name is Judy. I think it's, I think it's probably Judy. Yeah, but like, even if you did love somebody when they thought you were somebody else, wouldn't this kind of make you like turned off? Wouldn't you stop Do doing you things for them at this point? The fifties were a wild time, Stephanie. Okay? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so yeah, he asked Judy to change her clothes and dye her hair to resemble her, even like pinning her hair up the same way, mm-hmm. like and makeup down to the T. And after she complies, he notices her wearing the necklace portrayed in Carlotta's portrait. Why? Would, why? Would, why? why did right, she that's the, like a give, right? Like, dumb ass. Like, mm-hmm. that's Judy's dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he realizes instantly the truth and drives Judy back to the mission. There he tells her he must reenact the event that led to his madness and admits he now knows that Madeline and Judy are the same person and Judy was Gavin's mistress before being cast aside. Mm. He forces her up the bell tower and makes her admit her deceit. He reaches the top, finally conquering his fear of heights. Just like Midge said, like another traumatic incident would have to help him overcome it. And Judy confesses that Gavin paid her to impersonate a possessed Madeline. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about that. Yeah, there's like this weird theory, and I kept waiting for it to really happen. In the meetings with her husband... Scotty tells Gavin about all these places that she's going, and he tells him, like, oh, that makes sense because she was related to that woman in the portrait, and she's actually her great-granddaughter, and— and Scotty's like, well, if you all if you knew all this, like, why why you need me to do this? And he's like, well, she doesn't know. Uh-huh. She doesn't know any of this, and she's doing all of this weirdly, and yeah, she's and, possessed, and, and making these weird, far off gazes, and not knowing where she is after she comes back from them, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like basically implying that her great grandmother's ghost is possessing her, and uh, yeah. 
It's not happening. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting, though. A little fun little I ghost kind of would have been into it, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's all, it's okay. So if we really just like think about this, it's Judy pretending to be Madeline, pretending to be possessed by, by Carlotta. By Carlotta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's three, three levels. Uh huh. And she begs Scotty to forgive her. He embraces Judy, but a shadowy figure. And I was like, who the fuck? (laughs) It's creepy the way homegirl rolls up. Mm -hmm. I know. It's just a nun investigating the noise (laughs) rises from the tower's trap door. And I was like, oh, here's Carlotta's ghost. And startling her. And Judy lunges backward and accidentally falls to her death. Scotty, bereaved once again, but cured of his fear of heights, stands on the ledge while the nun rings the mission bell. The nun's like, I heard something. Like the way she said it was so like, <laughs> like <laughs> give me creeps. It was creepy I know. how she kind of just like, mm. so that was another scary. That was another I scary don't know, point. But to me, she said it as if like, <laughs> like gotta go up here once a day, make sure someone falls out this window. <laughs> <laughs> she was like ready to ring that bell. She's like, like she's oh. she's definitely done this before. <laughs> she's like, God damn it, not again. We kind of put some bars on these windows. Seriously. Like, no safety precautions. Again, the 50s. Mm-hmm. Crazy time. <laughs> but, and then it just ends. Yeah. That's how it, I'm like, oh, Damn. no really uh, resolution here. Not for poor Scotty. They'd be so confused. They'd be like, did this lady just die <laughs> the same way? She was just here. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I got news for you. He probably probably jumped after that. He was probably like, you know what, this is enough. I thought he was, because he was kind of like just standing on the ledge, but then we cut to credits, so we don't know. Oh, yeah, it's up in the air. What do you think he did? I don't know. I think there's a good chance, just because of how much, you know, intricate detail he went into <laughs> making her up to be Madeline, and then being betrayed, and still loving her as Judy, and I don't know. Who knows? Who who's kn- to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Oh, boo. Oh, boo. Oh, boo. All right. Do you want to hear about some of the research I did for this film? Yeah, I'm curious because it just says research. So, okay. This is why. I was looking for instances of something very similar that may have happened in real life. Mm -hmm. My efforts led to nothing. I was, like, even using ChatGBT and (laughs) AI to, like, help me get there. And this is what it said. It is important to note that dressing up as someone else specifically for the purpose of committing a murder is rare occurrence. Cases involving murder typically involve more direct motives such as personal disputes, revenge, financial gain, or other criminal intentions. So basically, dressing up as somebody in the attempt to kill them doesn't really happen. Yeah. Is illegal and unlikely. <laughs> right. <laughs> When people dress up as someone else, it's for deceit, not murder. Usually, So I couldn't really find an instance where there was a murder, something like that. And part of me was, like, faking death. But this wasn't, like, a faking. It was in the sense of trying to deceive somebody. Faking the identity of the dead. Right. right? But that wasn't, like, I'm faking death and I'm going to take the personation. It wasn't the same thing. So my thought was, okay, what's, like, a similar instance of taking someone's identity and falling in love with them. And that led me to dun, dun, dun. catfishing. <laughs> I'm like, that is like the exactly twi- it. That's yeah. it, is it not? Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about catfish. I didn't really write a whole lot about it, but for those of you who never heard of catfish, which I would be shocked. Well, first it was a movie by 
Neve Shulman about his experience with catfishing. And then they spawned a whole show that's still going on today from 2012 till now. That's crazy, actually. I didn't know it was still going. Yeah. Nick and I binge the shit. I did love it when when it was, like, really in its heyday. Oh, yeah. Well, so did you watch it when Max was the co-host? The guy with the gray hair. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen Cammy? No. Well, we like Max, but we also, Cammy's We stand Cammy. We stand Cammy. All right. But the term catfish gained popularity from the release of that documentary in 2010 and the TV show. It follows people who have online relationships but never met in person, and many episodes reveal that one of the parties involved have been deceiving the other with a fake identity. Mm -hmm. There's one specific episode I want to talk about where this girl faked the whole thing. She wrote in and made a whole story that she was being catfished when all of it was made up. Oh. Yeah. She catfished herself. She, yeah, basically. Just for attention. Her name was Taylor, and she was saying how she was talking to this guy, blah, 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 blah. And in the episode, like, Neve, you could tell, he, like, knows something's up, right? Mm-hmm. And for day one, he meets this girl. And then she's like, yeah, this is the number that he's texting me from. And it's her friend's number that she gave Neve at the beginning. Like, this is my one friend's number. He's like, have you not noticed this is your friend's phone number? And she, like, <laughs> plays it off like she had no idea. She's like, oh, I never noticed. Long story short, she brought them all the way to these people that were all in on it. There's like, four of them in on it. And they were, like, acting, and she's fake crying. It's, it's so cringy to watch. Oh, God. Um, but everyone listening... If you haven't seen this episode of Catfish, you need to go watch the one with Taylor. There's several instances of people faking a catfish to be on the show. Um, do they get paid or no? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what I know the that they do like a check in on them afterwards, like, like a month or so later after the whole meetup to like confirm who the catfish really was or if the catfish was a catfish. Mm-hmm. So the only other way I could think of it is like for celebrity or you know just to be on tv yeah i think it was she just wanted to be on tv and she didn't think she was going to be caught mm-hmm. but she basically convinced these three other people to like be pawns in this whole situation and she did not give a shit she showed no remorse she was just like yep it was me yeah and he was pissed he's like you're wasting everyone's time crazy yikes okay but yeah i'm gonna have to look that one up i'll send you clips it's okay. all over you too. okay okay so you used to watch the show? Yes. So my favorite ones were ones where it was like clearly something was happening. <laughs> like when people believed, who was it? One of them, I believe it was a man believed that Katy Perry was in contact with him. <laughs> and like what? he'd be like, well, she's on tour and stuff and she's busy. We just haven't hooked up like. Obviously, she's on tour for a year and a half. Oh, that's why? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. And (laughs) it was during the Matt episodes. I know he was there. He's like, so you think Katy Perry is, you know, reaching out to you constantly, a man that she's never met, even though she has all the means in the world to make that happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she just keeps putting it off because, you know, scheduling conflicts. Oh, my God. So part of me doesn't know how true a lot of these are. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, reality, quote-unquote, TV. I'd like to think they're mostly true stories. But some of it's wild. Right. Like The real crazy ones, too, that I always feel bad about are people 
whose exes were catfishing them. And then they, you know, they just do this just to either get back at them for breaking up with them or just because they're still obsessed with them or whatever. That Those are the ones that made me feel bad. That is actually an excellent segue to <laughs> the Reddit story I found. Ooh. Similar to catfishing, but this is someone who found out their identity was being taken. So this is this was from five months ago, uh, posted by JJ Carl Dog. That's the username. The subject was someone is impersonating me online and vice needed. So it starts by saying someone has been impersonating me on Instagram and Facebook dating and God knows what else. I have no idea who it is. I didn't come across the profiles myself. Several friends have. They received follower requests on Instagram from a profile with the same picture and name, but no followers. Someone else matched with a fake profile of me on Facebook dating. I searched Facebook for a profile matching mine, and there it was. It had the same profile picture and name as me, but everything else was blank. This has all happened in the past few weeks, but I've had trouble with an anonymous stalker since the start of the year, and I assumed this was the same person doing this. I originally noticed an Instagram profile using a picture of me and a friend watching my stories in about January. I also received messages from a blank Insta profile too, but they all appeared to be different profiles. Since then, both my Snapchat and main Instagram have been hacked into. Someone has also attempted to hack into my other accounts, such as my Gmail and iCloud. The emails that tell me someone is attempting to hack into my accounts place them in different towns, but the towns are close to me. I really don't know what to do. I have no idea who the stalker is. People always suggest it's an ex or some romantic interest, but none really stand out as likely. Yikes. Right. Ew. So that was just like one of the instances I found of someone finding out that they were being catfished. That's like scary. Across I don't a lot like of, that. Pro- I know. Right? Could you imagine, like, just seeing your profile? Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell do you even do there? Like, yeah, don't you do that to me? <laughs> what are you doing? Right. I don't know. I guess you could report all of them, but then you have to like provide the proof that you're the real you and they're not. And <laughs> it's like. Look at me. <laughs> Use your eyes. We learned this last time. Use your eyeballs. Right. But you'll like have to report their yep. profile and stuff like that and say like this isn't a valid account or something. But mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's nothing really to stop them though. Like as long as you have a different email, you can sign up for anything. <laughs> yeah. There's also another instance I didn't really want to go into it because it got a little inappropriate where someone was posing as someone else but posting like really inappropriate sexual content. Yikes. And, like, when they were searching this person's name, they were finding this, and it actually prevented them from being able to get jobs and stuff. Because when they did background checks, they were finding all this, like, that's awful. pornographic material and stuff like that. So the poster was just saying, like, it's really hindered his ability to, like, get a job or, like, stuff like that. So There's actually a documentary about that as well. A guy that ran a site and basically encouraged people, like, anyone that was mad at their exes or... Or, you know, people that turn them down, you know, just send in, like, any topless photo or whatever of them, and then we'll blow it up. And, Mm -hmm. like, it would go live on this page to, like, millions of followers, and people would lose their jobs, and it was awful. And he got sued, and I'm pretty sure, like, they had to have the site taken down at that point. I would hope so. Yeah, it's the documentary is called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. If you want to watch it, it's on Netflix. But... Yeah, it was it was real bad. 
I don't and there was there were some girls too that were like, I never had these kind of photos, and they found out it was like somehow he was getting into their emails and taking like personal photos that they had never shared with really anybody. Yeah, they were just like only for them, <laughs> and, oh. and some had just had photos that were altered that weren't even them. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, that that that's like the one thing that like freaks me out about the internet, just like how. The access to things like that. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It makes me very uncomfy. I know. It makes me uncomfy. But yeah, catfishing is the modern day uh, impersonating somebody else to <laughs> gain love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully no murder, but. no mur- Yeah, no murder. That's not likely, Steph, according mm-hmm. to what I find out. Murder is much more straightforward. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Thank imper- God. <laughs> I mean, well, you think about it. I'm not going to dress up as someone else to murder someone because they're going to be murdered. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I guess Or, so. like, even more convoluted, the story in uh, Vertigo. Like, I don't, I'm not going to dress up as someone else to watch them. Mur- it's like, mm-mm. That, nah. It's a lot of extra trouble. That's too much work. Just, I'm tired. You already got to cover up all your evidence and everything, too. So, to to add, like, some... Weird shenanigan of <laughs> dressing up as somebody else or whatever. This is too much work. Yeah. Too a convoluted. Lot. a lot. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, giving us a five-star rating is super helpful, and we would always appreciate it. You can follow us on social media at 13 Degrees of Screams. This has been 13 Degrees of Screams, and we will see you next week. There was a lot of driving in Vertigo. I got my driver's license last week. The one we always talked about. <laughs> and you were so excited for me. And then I go through the suburbs. Hoping to choose to go around. I like that song. <laughs> <laughs> I do too.